If God is able, we are able. Welcome to the podcast from One Cause Church. Praise the Lord. Let's take our Bibles and go to Romans chapter 10. Wow, we are already at chapter 10 already. How many weeks we've we been in this now? I think this is part 16 or so. Uh, how, how was it? How many of you were here with Dad Sunday? Yeah? Did you do all right? Yeah? Yeah. I doubt he disappointed. Did he preach on the gospel by chance? Is it just taking a shot in the dark? Faith, the gospel, any of Yeah. Okay. He locked you in? <laughs> well, he told me, he called to report to me how church went. He said, they asked me to come back and be the pastor. I said, no, I know them better than that. <laughs> yeah, I had a great time with our Dallas congregation Sunday. That's where I was preaching. And uh, great things are happening there. And the worship team is just rocking there. Uh, really good to see how much those young people have matured and built chemistry as a team and just doing wonderfully there. Some visitors there. And I think Brandon uh, had a dozen visitors in our Granbury campus on Sunday. Uh, so, yeah, I'm, uh, boy, it's just we're doing great. Now, uh, and I talked to you guys about DeLeon, about did, did I tell you when we were going to start our Sunday morning service yet? Or did I tell that in, in Dallas? It was supposed to be, oh, yeah, it was supposed to be in this month, but we decided to move it to October 5th. And I want you guys to be, be praying about our DeLeon campus. Uh, we just, we're trying to get the people in place to be able to do a Sunday morning service. Uh, right now we're doing kind of Sunday evening Bible study and Wednesday evening, but we really wanted to do a service there for the community. Uh, and Lowell, you guys met Lowell at the Prophetic Conference, uh, who's our campus pastor there, is uh, working to get some things together. So just be praying about that situation. Um, and uh, we're, we're expecting good things. And DeLeon, home of Clark Tractors, in case that means anything to any of you. All right, we're in Romans chapter 10, praise God. Verse 1, brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they may be saved. For I bear, and we talked about Israel in, in chapter 9 and Paul's heart for his, his brothers, um, so, uh, and, and this is kind of his final thought on it. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according <clears throat> to knowledge. A zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. Reminds me a little bit of my Pentecostal upbringing. <laughs> Lots of zeal. Not a whole lot of knowledge. But we were in the spirit. Or at least we thought we were. But, you know, there's a good thing when zeal meets knowledge. Hmm? And this is what he's saying. Zeal for God apart from knowledge, ladies and gentlemen, is a deadly, deadly thing. Right? I mean, don't we see it all over the world right now? Right? These guys, ISIS, don't they have a zeal for God apart from knowledge? Hmm? Paul had a zeal for God apart from knowledge. And so he was persecuting the church of God thinking he was doing it for God. But this is talking about, what knowledge are we talking about? This is talking about a very specific knowledge, one that Paul came to know through this awesome encounter on his way to unleash more of his zeal on the church. 
Let's jump over to Acts 9. Just bring that up on the screen if you would. Verse 1, Then Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus, so that if he found any who were of the way, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. You see that his zeal knows no bounds, men and women. As he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. Then he fell on the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? Now, this is quite an admission from Paul, isn't it? While he's acknowledging that he's speaking to the Lord, he's also admitting at that moment he doesn't know who the Lord is. And he thought he did. Who are you, Lord? And Jesus said, I am Jesus. Then the Lord said, whom you are persecuting. Wow, isn't that interesting? Who's Paul persecuting? Was he persecuting Jesus? Is he persecuting Jesus? He was persecuting the church. And Jesus saw that as one and the same. You're persecuting me. He didn't say you're persecuting my church. He didn't say you're persecuting my people. He said you're persecuting me. Why? Because we are the body of Christ in the earth. All right, we're not a symbol of the body. We are the body of Christ. All right, so when someone's persecuting you, they're persecuting Jesus. And so he's given Paul some knowledge to go along with his zeal, right? I'm Jesus. Imagine, imagine the, the screeching breaks in his mind, right? Wait a second. The God I'm fighting for is the God I'm fighting against? Wow. Zeal without knowledge. But now, at this moment, this encounter, knowledge comes crashing in on him, singing. Come on, let's sing this song. Y'all don't know the Wrecking Ball song? Uh, Gave me like a racket Okay, I'm sorry. Lord, I apologize. Let's go to verse 6. So he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? And he said to him, Arise, go into a city, and you will be told what you must do. But zeal mingled with the knowledge of Christ. Oh, man. Now that's a combination. And God... Save this zealous Pharisee, hallelujah, because that zeal that Paul had now could be used for the glory of God and for the building and establishing of the church of God and helping bring us Gentiles who are on the outside into the kingdom of God. Wow, that zeal is with the knowledge of Christ is a preach that cannot be silent. Wow. That zeal with the knowledge of Christ is a boldness that cannot be contained. It's a fire that just won't be quenched. And it wasn't. And it's a cause that can't be ignored. Let's go to verse 3 of Romans 12. For they being ignorant, speaking of Israel, ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own righteousness, 
have not submitted to the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who confesses their sins. Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who goes to church Sundays and Wednesdays. Christ is the law for righteousness for everyone who does what's right, who lives holy, is a good person. Yeah, good job. Huh? Don't hurt no one. Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who what? Come on, shout it out. Believes. Everyone who believes. It all starts at faith because faith is the knowledge of God. It's what taps you into all of his knowledge. It's this knowing that you know when you don't know. Right? It's that audacity. It gives you that audacity like our father Abraham had when he, he didn't see. He saw him. I mean, in the natural, all he knew is that Isaac was going to be a pile of ashes on the top of that mountain after all was said and done. But in faith, he had another knowledge. He saw the, dead, the boy dead and raised from the dead. He said, the lad and I will go yonder. He was from the south. Yonder, and we will return. We will go yonder and worship, and we will return. What's he doing? He's, only, he's walking by faith. He has a knowledge by faith, not by the circumstances, not by the natural perspective. He'd only been told by God, you're going to go burn him up on the mountain. But faith tapped him into another knowledge. Ooh, this is powerful. So what is it? Faith gives you the knowledge then that you are righteousness. You cannot know that by what you feel and what you do. Because if it's by, those, if it's by our actions, you know, one day you're going to feel really righteous because you did maybe 10 good things, and the next day you failed and screwed up. And so that day, well, I don't feel so righteous. And it's not about that. No, no, no. Faith taps you into the... It's not that you are able to do righteous things. It's actually that you are the righteousness of God. It's even better than action. It's condition. Woo! He, Jesus, did not become a sinner. Jesus became sin so that we could become righteousness. Our condition needed to change. Men's actions were not the problem. It was our condition. We were born sin, born in sin. Hallelujah. But we can be born again, or as our old preacher used to say, barned again. So he says, not, they haven't submitted to the righteousness of God. What's the righteousness of God? Stop trying to save yourself. Your righteousness isn't going to save you. You haven't submitted to the righteousness of God that comes like this. I believe. It's that simple. That's the beauty of the gospel. That's what separates it from everything else. In the world. It actually is good news. Without strings attached. Hallelujah. Just puts it out there. Right? If it sounds too good to be true, you've probably just heard the gospel. Amen. Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. And He was buried and He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. And whoever believes on Him will receive everlasting life. So what He's saying is that you who are trying to live by the law, but will never be able to actually do it, I have some really good news that Christ fulfilled the unfulfillable law. 
No man could do it. But Christ did it, and he's the end of it. And that, I mean, that's good news. Is that right? That Christ did. But it gets better than that because now what, what, what Jesus did for us is, is now he says, I, God, in God's mind, I now credit you with what he did. Wow. He credited, credited Jesus with our disobedience, and he credited us with Jesus' obedience. This exchange happened and God saw all of a sudden you were holy, blameless, above reproach. Nothing you could do no wrong. Why? Because Jesus fulfilled the law. And therefore, God saw that you did too. Why? How? By faith in Jesus. There's only one way. I don't, I don't know why God's so good, but I sure am glad he is. And when, it, when you sum it all up, the only righteousness that you can attain through works is self-righteousness, which will not save you. Verse 5, for Moses writes about the righteousness which is of the law. The man who does those things shall live by them. That is, do good, get good, do bad, get bad. But the righteousness of faith speaks this way. Listen to this. Do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven. Now, what he's bringing, he's bringing Deuteronomy chapter 30. You can look this up. Um, this is... A, Direct quote from Deuteronomy chapter 30 or along about uh, 12 and 13, 14, somewhere around there. Do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down from above. And what God was telling the Israelites here is that I gave you the law. This is no mystery, all right? So, so you don't need to say who will ascend up into heaven and bring it down to us or who will go across the sea and bring it over to us. It's in your mouth and it's in your heart already. So then Paul brings this right into New Testament doctrine. I love this. That is to, he says, who will ascend uh, into heaven? That is to bring Christ down from above. Or who will descend into the abyss? That is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? All right? And what he's saying is, you don't need to see the sign. You don't need to see all this happen all over again. You have to believe. Because the word is near you. It's already in your mouth and it's already in your heart. And that is this word. This is how easy it is for us to be made righteous. This is all he's saying. That is the word of faith which we preach. Word of faith isn't just some sect of Christianity. It's actually the scriptures. All right? That is the word of faith. Are you word of faith? Well, yeah, if, you, if you're talking about that. That is the word of faith that which we preach, that if, here it is, this is it, this is the word of faith, if you will confess with your mouth the, all of your sins, is that what it says? If you'll be real sincere and show God just how sorry you are, maybe you'll get his attention. Come on, I've sat through this stuff, listened to this kind of stuff preached. Made, made me feel so bad about myself, right? Rather than exalting Jesus, exalting my failures. Paul says, confess with the mouth of the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Saying, well, uh, saying Lord isn't everything. Uh, many will say to me in that day, Lord, oh, let's jump over there. I know you've heard me teach it, but you need to hear it again. Go to Matthew chapter 7 for just a moment. Let's just debunk this myth, all right? Because this scripture used to be used to hammer us over the head, especially when it came to altar call time, right? Everybody in the church needed to get saved again. 
I don't understand why Christians are being dangled over hell's fire, right? I mean, we're, we're here, dude. What are you telling us? Uh, 20? Therefore, by your fruits you will, be, you will know them. Watch this, verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but who does the will of my Father. So this, this is what I'm saying. Uh, this scripture is used to scare people, Right? To say, saying Lord isn't everything. Many are going to say Lord, Lord. All right? Well, let's slow this down and let's see what Jesus is really saying here. Next verse. Many will say to me, when? What day is he talking about? Which day is it? This is the last day. This is the final day. Well, yeah, every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess Jesus is Lord on that day, but that doesn't mean everybody that day is saved. All right, many will say to me in that day, too late to say, Lord, then, for salvation, for justification, all right? Did, have we not, now watch, and this same kind of stuff, see, you can prophesy and go to hell. Right there, it says, have we not prophesied, you can cast out demons and go to hell. No, 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 hang on, hang on, legalistic, illegitimate son. All right, have we, sorry, I had to clean it up, all right. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? Now watch what Jesus responds. Oh yeah, I forgot. Y'all did do all that stuff. No. He said, then I will declare that I never... Whoa, hang on a second. He's not talking to believers. Because if, if, if at one time they were believers and then they weren't, he has to say, I used to know you, not anymore. You walked away. Jesus is talking to the self-righteous, those who thought that they could get there on their own merits. I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. In other words, all your good works add up to lawlessness. What you deem as good works, what you thought would save you, burned you is what they did. It's extraordinary, isn't it? He's not even talking to Christians. He's not even talking to believers. Let me just say this. Saying Lord, declaring Jesus is Lord is everything for us. Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said, okay. He didn't say, well, now, are you, are you sincere about this? You've got to show me you're really sorry because you've spent your entire life as a criminal. Now here you are paying are you, are, you, are you just trying to get into heaven? Hmm? He's, not, he's, not, he's not questioning this guy's motives. He hears the word, Lord, and he says, today you'll be with me in paradise. See, God wants you in heaven more than you want to be there. Let me say that again. I said he wants you in heaven more than you want to be there. Why would he have done what he did if that wasn't true? Woman, where are your accusers? I have none, Lord. You said the right word. Neither do I accuse you. Go and sin no more. Wow. We see it over and over. If you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And you know what's interesting? Cornelius didn't even confess Jesus as Lord. He just believed in his heart. 
And the only thing we know about that he even got saved was he started speaking in tongues. The first Gentile convert, the precedent-setting moment for how we get saved happened as Peter was preaching, and the next thing Peter hears is these guys start speaking in tongues. He goes, whoa, whoa, what happened here? I didn't get to say a sinner's prayer or anything with them. They didn't fill out a card. They started speaking in tongues, and they knew this. I mean, Peter knew this, and they didn't. Now, listen to me. This is how cynical that our society is becoming, even the church. And so we have to remember that we're believers, right? Peter didn't sit there and go, now, hang on. These guys are pagans. Is that of the Spirit? Right? No, they saw that, and they said, oh, my God, the same Holy Spirit. They got the same thing we did. Same Holy Spirit fell on us in the beginning. Has come on, come here. They weren't saying that. Why? Because they're believers. Jesus said these signs will follow believers. They will speak in new tongues. Peter said, oh my God, they're believers. They're speaking in tongues. This is glorious, isn't it? Anybody speak in tongues in here tonight? All right. Well, I, I'm, that's, that's a wonderful thing. Because if ever you ha- are having one of those days where, you know, the devil's just really talking to you about your relationship with God and trying to make you feel insecure, but just start speaking in tongues and say, there's no doubt about it. Because believers only can, only believers can speak in tongues. Okay, there's some security there for you. All right, continue. Now, I'm not saying, let, let, me, let me clarify tonight, in case you're here and you're going, did he say that you have to speak in tongues to be saved? That is not what I said. Well, you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, it's that, that's it. But you should be filled with the Holy Spirit speaking in other tongues. Absolutely. Because there's so much advantage to that. So much. I don't have time to go into that. That's another time. Believe in your heart that God has raised them. You will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto what? Righteousness. God, just like God accounted to Abraham. Abraham believed God and was accounted to him for righteousness. So you believe God and it's accounted to you for righteousness. And with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Jeremiah and I were talking about this couple days ago, that um, believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. And this is how we begin, right, in God. We believe in our heart and we confess. But ladies and gentlemen, this is how we we continue in our life. Remember what Paul said in uh, Colossians 4? Come on, Rolodex, find it. 6. Colossians 4, 6. 4, 6? 2, 6. 2, 6. As you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him. So what he's saying is, is that right? (laughs) All right. As you have therefore received Christ Jesus, so walk in. So what he's saying is, is in the same way you started, this is the same way you walk. All right. How did you receive Him? By faith. How do you walk? By faith. So, and we have deliverances or salvations along the way. (laughs) We just had one. Praise God, Friday night with this boy, right? And we'll have deliverance. So we, we continue to believe with our heart. And we continue to confess with our mouth. Hallelujah. We confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus. We confess with our mouth what the Word of God says so that we can step into the reality of that salvation, whatever that may be. It might be healing. It might be some kind of financial breakthrough or restoration. Whatever it might be, God has many salvations for you to experience in this life, more than just justification. Amen? Uh, I didn't lose you there, did I? Okay. For the Scripture says, verse 11, For the Scripture says, Whoever believes on Him will not be put to shame. I am grateful to God. 
Any whoever's here? All right. Whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. That, that right there ought to make you feel real comfortable right now with, with your God. Very secure with him. Whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. God's not going to say, well, sorry, I know it said whoever, but you're the exception to the world. That beard, that gets you out, bro. All right? Sorry. Whoever. They will not be put to shame. That's why we can stand boldly in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so are we in this world. Hallelujah. Love has been perfected among us in this. Verse 12. For there is no distinction between Jew, bless you, between Jew and Greek, but the same Lord over all is rich to how many? All who call upon him for whoever. Again, he brings us right back to it. Whoever. It's not about Jews and Gentiles anymore. It's whoever's. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be, shall be, amen. Whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. Whoever calls on him uh, shall be saved. Whoever believes in his heart confesses with his mouth. Do you see this all over and over and over again, right? And then he says, how then shall they call on him whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? I want you to take your finger and do this. Say, that's me. Say, I'm the preacher. All right? How shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? Okay. Interesting. For a moment, pause. Let's go over to Acts chapter 11. Acts chapter 11. And this is Peter who's having to come back to his Jewish friends and explain to them why his breath smells like bacon. (laughs) Been over at Cornelius the pagan's house. (laughs) And... and so, I mean, they are livid. See, they didn't see the vision that Peter did. They didn't come to that truth when he, in verse 34 of Acts 10 where he says, Of a truth, I perceive God is no respecter of persons. I mean, that was a revolutionary thought for Peter. When, when he heard Jesus say, Go into all the world and preach the gospel, they did not think that meant the Gentiles. They, meant all, they thought that meant all the Jewish world. That wasn't even revealed to them in Acts, until Acts chapter 10 that God had opened his, his arms to the entire world. Okay, uh, 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 let's look at verse 13. Start in verse 13. And he told us how he'd seen an angel. So Peter's talking about Cornelius, explaining to his brothers what had happened. He told us how he'd seen an angel standing in his house who said to him, send men to Joppa and call for Simon, whose surname is Peter. Sounds like something right out of Star Wars, doesn't it? Who will tell you, watch, what? Words. Now, these are, no, these are no ordinary words by which you and all your household will be saved. What kind of words are these? And that, that completely does away with that man-made religious thought, let us preach the gospel and use words if we have to. What? The gospel is words. Who will tell you words by which you and all your household will be saved. The gospel is words, and those words have the power to save you. 
Wow, see, Cornelius was all, he already had the works down. We're not saved by works, we're saved by words. Wow. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. He will tell you what. what. What did Peter say? What were those words that finally came to him? Acts 10, 43, where he said, to him, talking about Jesus, all the prophets witness that through his name, whoever believes on him shall receive remission of sins. And verse 44 says, while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word. All right, so see, here's the, here's the cool thing about the gospel. It saves. It's not your job to save people. It's, that is not your responsibility, Christian. It's your responsibility to give them words. To speak the words, tell them words by which they and all their household will be saved. Is this good? Heck yeah, it's good. It's really good preaching. No. Tell you words by which you and all your household will be saved. For there is no distinction, okay? Uh, how will they, how then, how then, how then? Verse 15, how should they preach unless they are sent? Romans 10, we're back there. As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of what? Peace, who bring glad tidings of good. Man, I don't understand why all these preachers are preaching these feel-good messages. Okay, hang on. What does it say? It's the gospel of peace. It's bringing glad tidings of good things. What, what, what are you not seeing? What are you not seeing? Somebody's got to tell it like it is. I'm telling it like it is. You're telling them what you want to tell them. This is what the Scripture says. We preach the gospel of peace, and we bring glad tidings of good things. I don't know. Okay. All right. Okay. All right. All right. All right. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. Watch this. They have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? I want you to write this down if you're, if you're taking notes. What Paul just taught us is to obey the gospel is to believe the gospel. They have not all obeyed the gospel, for Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? So then faith comes, how? By hearing and hearing, by not just hearing anything, hearing by the word of God. But I say, have they not heard? Yes, indeed, their sound has gone out to all the earth and their words to the ends of the world. But I say, did Israel not know? First, Moses says, I will provoke you to jealousy by those who are not a nation. I will move you to anger by a foolish nation. Turn to your neighbor and say, that's you. <laughs> but Isaiah is very bold and says, I was found. Listen to this. I was found by those who did not seek me. I was made manifest to those who did not ask for me. You understand how good this grace is? That God came to us. And we were looking the other way, off worshiping foreign gods, living life for ourselves. And then this gospel came to us, and we said, i got to have that. I want that. And God gathered us up as his people. And Israel's looking over here jealous, angered. But there's coming a day when business with God and Israel will be back in full force. And praise God for that. And I am so fortunate to be able to get in this family, aren't you? Grafted into this vine. I was made manifest. But, Israel, but to Israel, he says, all day long I have stretched out my hands 
to a disobedient and contrary people. And we'll get into Acts chapter 11, um, Romans chapter 11, I mean, next week. Has this helped you tonight? I hope this has really encouraged you, blessed you, built you up. I love Romans chapter 10. My, it's one of my favorite chapters in the, all of Romans. Father, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for the gospel. Thank you, Lord, that these words that have come to us, as Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. That power is not manifested to people until they believe it. But, Father God, when we do, we are made new all over again. Hallelujah. We who are on the outside have been brought in near by the blood. Thank you for your saving grace. Thank you for calling us out of darkness and into your marvelous light. Lord, help us to not be afraid. Help us to not be hesitant in telling these words to those within our sphere. Co-workers, neighbors, family, friends. God, it's just a matter of hearing attached to faith that will save a person's life. Lord, help us to do our part to deliver the gospel and let the gospel do its part to save people. Thank you, Father God, that this message of reconciliation, may it burn within us so much, as Jeremiah said, let it be like a fire shut up in our bones that we cannot contain it. Help us to, 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 to be so set on Jesus, our eyes so fixed on Him, that we're going to do everything that we can within our power to bring to Him what He has earned, the souls of men, as many as we can. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for all these here tonight. And I declare over them the Word of God that says that no evil shall befall them and no plague shall come near their dwelling. You give your angels charge over them to keep them in all of their ways. I declare that no weapon formed against them will prosper. Every tongue that rises against them in judgment, they shall Condemn. Even as Isaiah continues to say, they shall be far from terror and far from oppression. It shall not even come near them because they're established in righteousness. I thank you, Lord, that you are with them. You are a very present help in time of need. They are healed. They are blessed. And they will be a blessing. Father, I thank you that where they go, the gospel goes. Where they go, your spirit goes. Your presence goes with them. Your healing power is in their hands as they lay hands on the sick and see them recover. I thank you, Father God, that they are able ministers wherever they go in the name of Jesus. And I declare that all of their children shall be taught of the Lord and great shall be their peace. And I declare that when they lay their head on their pillow tonight, that they will both lie down in peace and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, make them dwell in safety. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. We would like to invite you to one of our service times in either McKinney or Dallas. Sunday mornings in McKinney at 9.30 and 11, and Wednesday evenings at 7, and in Dallas, 10.30 Sunday mornings, and our 1 o'clock One Cause Dallas Espanol service. You can find out more information about our church at onecausechurch.com. If you'd like to partner with our ministry, there is also a link on the front page of our website.